Great. How are you doing, everyone? It's uh, three of you are great. That's okay. And um, it's 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 good to be here. And um, we're in the pen penultimate message of our coexist series, where we're looking at um, different different faith systems represented within our city. And um, I love the line of the song that we were singing, which which talks about how um, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. And there are a thousand stories out there about the world and, 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 and who we are and, and where everything is going. And we've tried to present some of those, some of those stories to you over recent weeks. And uh, part of the reason we do that is so that we understand stories of other faiths. But also another reason that we do that is because it helps us to understand better the story of the Christian faith. And um, so we're going to be, we've spoken about atheism, we've spoken about Hinduism and Islam and African traditional religion. And uh, this morning, unashamedly, I'd like to present to you the Christian story. And uh, stories are incredibly important because you are living your life in a particular story. You're living your life with the story of who the Father is or of, 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 of who God is and, and, and of who you are and, and, and why, why you exist. And I I'm reminded of the story of a rabbi. This was um, uh, close on 2,000 years ago, but it's been handed down through Jewish traditions. And this rabbi, he was walking through the city and he was deep in thought. And as he wandered along, he was so deep in thought that he absentmindedly lost his way. And after, after uh, as, as, as he came to his senses, if you like, he found himself standing at the doors of a Roman garrison. And there was a big, tough Roman soldier standing standing above the wall and looking down on him and this Roman soldier barked out at him who are you and what are you doing here and this rabbi he he looks up and he says I'm sorry please say that again and the Roman soldier says to him who are you and what are you doing here and the rabbi he looks up at this wall and, and he he says to this soldier, this armed Roman soldier, he says to him, how much do they pay you to do that? You can imagine the Roman soldier, he's taken aback and he says, I, I, I get paid five drachmas a week. And the rabbi says to him, I will double your pay if you'll come and work for me and your job will be to every morning of every day, as soon as I wake up, ask me those two questions. Who am I? And what am I doing here? Because those foundational questions and the answers we have to them, and whether you realize it or not, you do have answers. Your answers to those two questions and a couple of others we'll go through become the source out of which you and I live. And this morning, unashamedly, I want to present the Christian answers to those questions to you. And as I do that, I'm doing it in the hope that if you're not yet a Christian, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that you will seriously consider becoming a follower of Jesus. And if you are already a follower of Jesus, I'm hoping that as we talk about this, that it will, it will make you thankful that you are a follower of Jesus. There's a man called C.S. Lewis, and uh, C.S. Lewis said that I believe in Christianity like I believe in the sun, not because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And Christianity is, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of things, but in some ways, most importantly, it's, it becomes a way by which we see everything else, by which we make sense of the world. And all of us are living out of a story, living out of, if you like, a worldview. And a worldview, the story you're living out of, is kind of like Thierry's very expensive and fancy set of sunglasses over here. When I put these on, not bad, huh? Thierry, you're making me look good. 
when I put these glasses on, they color the way that I look at absolutely everything. Some of you have heard the expression that they, they, they're looking back at that time in their lives with rose-tinted glasses. And they're saying they look back and no matter what color, what color it was, because they've got these rose-tinted glasses on, they see the stand and, and, and it's, it's, it's rose-colored and they, they, they see this carpet and that's funny, it looks a little bit rosy and everything looks rosy because of the rose-tinted rose glasses. And similarly, your answers to, the, to those questions, your worldview is the way that you see absolutely everything. And here's the deal. Most of us walk through life not realizing that we even have glasses on. But the reality is that we do. Christians do, and non-Christians do, and atheists do, and Hindus do, and, and Buddhists do, and New Age people do, and African traditional religion practitioners do. We all look through life with a certain sense, with, with a certain set of glasses on. So the question isn't, do I have glasses on? Do I have a way of seeing everything all of us do? And by the way, interestingly, as I was um, studying for this, it turned out that your worldview is formed from the, the day that you were born. It's being formed around you. And answers to these questions are being provided by, by family and by things you read and by your own experiences. And it becomes, it becomes maturely formed or fully formed somewhere between the age of 20 to 25. And that's one of the reasons we're so excited about the cave. Because if you're in that age group, 20 to 25, you're, you're, you're in the final stages of deciding how does this world work? And so the question isn't, do we have glasses on or not? The question is, the glasses that you wear, do they do the job? And there are a few questions that you need to bring to any worldview, whatever it is. You need to question the Christian worldview, question the atheist worldview, question the agnostic, question the Buddhist, question the new age. Bring questions to the way that they see everything. And uh, there's a whole host of questions. I'll give you two or three. Question number one is that that worldview, the way it answers the deep questions of life, is it, is it coherent? When you hear the different answers to the different questions that a faith system brings, do they fit together logically? Is there an internal consistency that makes sense? A uh, uh, second thing to, to assess the way that you're seeing the world is does it actually make sense of the world as you see it? Does it account for evil? Does it account for suffering? Does it account for the way human beings are made? And, and a, a, a third thing to do to look at is, is, is to look at you, the, the way that people are living out their worldviews and to ask yourselves practically, does it work? And worldviews come to us, believe it or not, we carry our worldviews deep within us in the form of stories. All of us are living out of a story. story behind everything. If I say to you, why, why, why is there tribalism in Kenya? Well, I can guarantee you the answer is a story. It's because, well, if, if you want to understand what's happening today, then you need to go back and understand that this happened and this happened. Am I right? And I'd be willing to bet money that that story will be a little bit different depending on which tribe you talk to. Am I right? We live out of these stories. And so this morning in the midst of all the other stories you've heard unashamedly, I want to present to you the Christian story and I want to suggest to you that in my view and in the view of a couple of billion other people around the world, it is a preferable story. And I want to present to you this morning that it is a more beautiful story. The story goes like this. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And our 
I wish he'd been there. It was like he was showing off day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. It's like, let there be light. Boom. Let there be separation between land and sea and between sky and earth. And then, and then. <laughs> Did I mention to you that he also made the stars? But the climax, if you like, of his creation was on day six out of the six days of work. Because on that day, God said, let us make man in our own image to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. And so right there on day six, the pinnacle of creation, God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God looked around. And he looked at what he'd made. And he said, uh, if I do say so myself, <laughs> this, is, this is very good. All of it. But the Bible story also tells us that we who were made in the image of God, male and female, the Bible tells us that uh, all of us are like sheep who've gone astray. Each and every single one of us has turned and we've gone our own way. That's the story of much of mankind. But then something interesting happened. A man came and he was born of a virgin. And he went about healing people and doing good. And he used to tell stories like this, very, very interesting stories. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple of them. He, he told a story and he, he said that suppose that one of you has a hundred sheep and one of them goes missing. Doesn't he leave the 99 and go over hill and valley and search for that sheep until he finds it? And then he puts that sheep on his shoulders and he carries that sheep back home. And then he says to his friends and neighbors, come rejoice with me, celebrate. My sheep was lost, but now it is found. Or suppose there's a woman who has 10 silver coins. And she loses one of them. Doesn't she turn all the furniture upside down and, if necessary, sweep the house until she finds it? And when she finds that tenth silver coin, she calls her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me! My coin was lost, but now I found it! A man had two sons. The younger son said, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father 
divides his estate and gives the son his share. Well, very soon after that, this younger brother, this younger son, he gets together everything that he has and he goes to a far off country and he squanders his wealth in wild living. But then a famine hits this land and he, he ran out of money and he ran out of friends. And he had to sell himself into service of a citizen of that country who sent him to go and feed pigs. That was his job. And while he was feeding these pigs, he'd see what the pigs were eating and wish he could have just a little bit of that. Until one day, he came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's servants have enough to eat? And here I am starving. I'm going to get up. And I'm going to go back to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. And so he got up and went back to his father. But while he was still a long way away, his father sees him and is filled with compassion. And this, this old man runs out to meet his son and starts to hug him and kiss him. The son hardly knows what to do. But then he starts his speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father doesn't even let him finish the story. He says, quick, get a pair of sandals and put this on my son's feet. Get a ring and put it on his finger. Get the best robe in the house and put it on him. Kill the fatted calf. And we are going to have a party. Because my son was lost. Now he's found. He was dead. Now he's alive. Well, there's more that could be told about the Christian story, but uh, I don't think we have enough hours in this day to go through all of it. You'll be glad to hear. But each worldview answers four questions, and in our time remaining, I want to go through these four questions, and I want to present to you the Christian answer out of the story I've just shared, that story that I've just shared, it answers the biggest questions of life. And as time permits, we'll also look at a couple of the alternatives as we tackle each question. Here are the four questions very briefly. The first question is, who am I? The second question is, where am I? The third question is, what is the problem and the fourth question is, what is the solution? The first question is, who am I? Who am I? Now, there are all kinds of answers to that question. The, the atheist's answer is, well, who am I? I am a collection of atoms that happen to come together, and, 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 I, and I've evolved over time, and so fundamentally, I'm not that different from all the other animals around me. I am just a product of time and chance. That's the atheist story. Who am I? The Muslim story is I, I am I'm one who submits to Allah. That's what Muslim means. It means I, I submit to Allah. 
but I love of all of these, I, 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 I love the, the African answer to the story, who am I? You know what the African answer to the question, who am I, is? Well, some of you have heard of the concept of Ubuntu. I remember when I first came across this term and I said, what does it mean? And someone said, what it means is that a person is a person because of other people. Now, I've got, to, I've got to confess to you, I heard that and I said, what on earth does that mean? But that is, that's the way Africa works. It's, a person is a person because of other people. And you see that all across African culture. You see it in the fact that when you're talking to someone, very often you'll refer to them as mama so-and-so. It's because that, that woman, she is who she is because of the people around her, because of the family. It brings this richness into family. Who am I, you might say, I am, and then you fill in the name of your tribe. I am a this or I am a that. And it becomes the deepest part of who we are, how we answer the question of identity. I love the story that um, uh, Simba once told me. He told me that uh, Simba's one of the uh, our, our elders, and he, he spoke about how uh, he was uh, in a certain place and talking to someone and it was around election time, heading up to elections, kind of like it is now. And a lady said to him, a lady said to him, I am a Christian. But what we're going to do is we're going to put this Christian thing aside until we've sorted out this election thing. And then we can go back to being Christians. Do you understand that? She's a Christian, but there are deeper answers. For her, to the deepest questions of life. I, I, I love this answer. Person is a person because of other people. One more example. This, this one makes me start, smile out. We were... Um, we worked in Malawi for, uh, for three months in Blantyre. And um, during that time, uh, I, was, I was at, at a hospital in Blantyre and, and uh, there was a, a, a medical student that we met in Blantyre and he was, he was Asian. Uh, and so uh, he was very, very intelligent and very well-educated. And uh, we were talking to him and make, making general conversation, Tash and I. And um, I said to him, I, I don't know how we came up in conversation, but I said to him, but you know, that's, that's nepotism. And this young guy, medical student in his 20s, very intelligent, well-educated, he looked at me. And he said, what's, what's that? And I said to him, it's nepotism. Nepotism is where, for example, you give a job to someone not because they're the most qualified person for that job, but because they're related to you. And this young Asian guy, he looks at me and he goes, what's wrong with doing that? not nepotism that's family that's life that's business because to a certain extent in that culture as well a person is a person because of other people but there are destructive uh, sides to that story i've just given one in terms of tribalism and uh, election violence in kenya that but there's 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 this 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 giving jobs i can understand how you help people if you've got a small business and so on but what it equates to in africa is then if i'm the president 
I'm going to make the deputy president someone who's uh, my second cousin twice removed, which actually isn't an African concept. You don't have cousins in Africa, do you? Because a person is a person because of uh, other people. The Christian answer. Who am I? God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So Christianity's fundamental answer to this first, to this primary question, isn't a random collection of atoms. It, it isn't, I'm a soul that might come back as a bee, I might come back as an elephant, I don't know. It's, 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 it's not, I'm, 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 I'm just one who submits. It's, I'm one who's been created in the image of my creator. I represent him in some mystical way. I resemble him. I look like him. In some way, I function and work like him. And that's true of me as a man. But it's true of every man I come into contact with. And it's true of women in the image of God. Male and female, he created them. That's true of me as a Zimbabwean. Not just a Zimbabwean, but a proud and royal tribe known as the Kalanga from Zimbabwe. So I arrive in Kenya. I hear people saying, Kikuyu's best, Luo's best. Let me settle it for you. Kalanga is best. <laughs> See if it's bringing another story from out there. Don't believe it. So friends, this is, this, this is where it all starts. It, it, it starts by saying every human being is an image bearer. And when you live out of that story, it changes absolutely everything. And, and what I love is the story develops. We start made in the image of God. But then when Jesus came, he, he taught us to call God Father. And the Bible says that to as many as believed, just, just trusted in Jesus, he gave the right to become sons of God and daughters of God. And friends, that is who I am. That is who we are. And that changes everything. Because it means that our existence is relational. But primary within that is the fact that we are made in the image of God. And before I'm a brother to you or before you're a sister to me, we have a father and it's that relationship which is primary. And so Muslims have a wonderful reverence for God who they call Allah. But, but, but their relationship to him is he is sovereign and I submit to him. Which is different to a God who is our father. And like we were singing earlier, friends, he's a good, good father. That is the foundation of our existence. I felt this morning it's gotten stronger over the last hour or two that God wants to say to every single person who can hear the sound of my voice this morning, remember who you are. You're made in the image of God. It, it, it affects the way we view everything. So you see, when people came to, to Jesus and said, ha ha, there's, a, there's a, this controversy, no one can answer it. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Because if we pay taxes to Caesar, Caesar and the Romans are oppressing the people of God. And so by paying taxes, we're funding Roman oppression of God's people. 
you want us to do that? Or do you want us to rebel against Rome and they wipe out the Jewish nation? What are you going to do with that, Jesus? Jesus says, in effect, put your glasses back on. He says, give me a coin, give me a coin. They bring him a coin. He says, Who's, whose image is on that coin? They say to him, well, Caesar's. And Jesus says to him, well, then give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. If Caesar's image is on it, then it belongs to Caesar. <laughs> give it back to him. He says, then give to God what is God's. And humanity has been stamped with the name of our creator, with his image. There's a great theological work called uh, Toy Story. Anyone here who's made it through all three Toy Stories without crying? Could you put your hand up? Without crying? All four Toy Stories? <laughs> Belinda, is this true or he's... We won't put him on the spot. We won't put him on the spot. Kelvin, you're made in the image of God whether you cried during Toy Story or not. One of the, one of the things I love is that... Uh, Woody, on the bottom of his shoe, you know what's written there? It's the name of the one he belongs to, Andy. And that defines Woody. It's, it's, it's the story out of which he was, I'm, I'm, I belong to Andy. And friends, I feel that God wants you to know that you've been stamped with his image. That you are his Son, you belong to him. You are his daughter. And that is where everything starts and nothing can change that. There's a song I, I love. It's, uh, it's written by a guy called Andrew Peterson. And if his words, I, I, I think he wrote this song, I think it was more about marriage, but, but the, the truths are profound. And the bridge goes like this. It says, when I lose my way, find me. When I loose love's chains, bind me. At the end of all my faith, till the end of all my days, if I forget my name, remind me. And friends, God wants to remind you your name this morning. You are an image bearer of God. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. If you believe in Jesus, that is the starting point. And God wants to remind you who you are this morning. When you answer that, it changes everything else. One guy, I think his name is uh, Bill Johnson, he said that what God thinks about you needs to become more important to you than what you think about you. Now, guys, just a couple of applications out of this. One application is that we, we need to be reminding ourselves constantly who we are. And so when we, when we say, let's be a people who are getting into the word, who are enjoying God's spirit, who are asking him to speak to us, it's because we need to be reminded day after day, this is who we are. Because at work, you're a productivity unit. At work, you're valued because of what you can produce and how much money that you bring in. And, 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 and it, it, a thousand voices telling you who you are. But there's only one voice. That says it's not about anything that you do, but it's about who made you and who you belong to. And friends, that changes absolutely everything. The other three questions more briefly, who am I? Second question is, where am I? 
Well, the atheist says that it all started with a big bang. We don't know who pulled the trigger, but we'll talk about that another day. It started with a big bang and then everything came together in the cosmos and we're in this finite universe and all there is is what we can see. There isn't anything else that can't be measured scientifically and reproduced by experiment. Now that's okay, but, but the, the fundamental problem with that is that it fails to account fully for the human experience and it fails to provide any sense of meaning. In an atheistic view of the world, if all, if all we are is chemicals and reactions, then fundamentally we are in a universe without any meaning. But if we're made by God for relationship with him, you see the Christian story is a relational story. And every one of us knows that oh, we are relational beings. The Christian worldview makes sense of that. We're in a world with purpose and meaning. There's a quote by a guy called Oliver Wendell Holmes up on the slide there. It's a logical conclusion of the way of seeing the world outside of God. It says, I see no reason for attributing to man a significance different in kind from that which belongs to baboon or a grain of sand. Who am I? I'm an image bearer of God. If, and through faith in Christ, I am a son, of, a son of God. I am a daughter of God. Where am I? I am in his good creation that he created with a purpose in his mind. And he has called us as human beings to be his image bearers, to represent him, to rule on his behalf and to reign alongside him. We are, we are called to, 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 to relate and to steward earth and our years on this earth in line with his purposes. But every single human being who's, who's on the face of this planet, deep down inside, we know that something has gone wrong fundamentally. Houston, we have a problem. What is the problem? Well, if you are a Springbok supporter, apparently the British and Irish Lions are the problem. It's a rugby illusion for those of you not following the rugby. I was at the coast a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the person who was looking after us there, he just said to me, you know, uh, you know the problem in Kenya? It's the politicians. There is a problem. What is the problem? Well, the problem is that we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us from Adam downwards has gone his own way. Every son of Adam and daughter of Eve, bar one, all gone our own way and the Bible calls that sin. And here's where you've got to understand the full story. The, 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 the story isn't, I'm a sinner, I broke the rules. No, 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 no. The story is, I'm a sinner, I fractured a relationship. I was created to be in sync with my creator and now I'm not. Christianity is fundamentally relational. That affects who we are as a church. When, as we, when we gather as one tribe, we're not people who are seeing who's keeping the rules the best. No, no, we are a family. Because God, he's, he's, he's three in one. That's another unique part of the Christian story. He's a God in relationship with himself and that overflows into relationship with us and our relationships with one another. So at one tribe, we are a deeply relational church because that's the story we're living out of. In our relationships, we bring more to these relationships. We, we, we're in line with our purpose when we remember who we are. And one of the hallmarks of one tribe, friends, let it be, is that when we gather together, we remind one another who we are. We speak life over one another. We say, Kyle, Kyle, 
Thank you for serving on the drums this morning. Emma, thank you for stepping out and, 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 and sharing that prophetic word. You, you, you are a gift from God to us. We remind one another who we are. Does that make sense? But forgive me, I'm talking about what is the problem, and the problem is sin. And one of my favorite concepts of sin comes from uh, a guy in Russia, and forgive me, I cannot pronounce his name, which is embarrassing. But uh, he was thrown into the Russian gulags, and the, the, the gulags was a kind of, uh, it was a, concentration camp system in Russia. And as often happens in, uh, in, over through the course of history, the idea is there are bad people out there and it's not us. And so if we can get all those bad people and put them in one place, ideally as far away from the rest of us as possible, it'll be a better world. And so this guy, they um, locked him up in a gulag and at some point in his life, he wrote this and this is, this is so profound. I hope it's up on the screen, whether it is, just, just listen to this. He said, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. And he carries on and he says, and who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart. Do you see how profound that is? You see, if, if we are in Kenya and the problem is the politicians, and we arrest all the politicians and send them to, I don't know where we would send them. That's not the solution. Because the problem is in here. And you see, it's important you define the problem accurately. Because that's the only way that you can get to the right solution. What is the problem? The problem isn't Muslims. The problem isn't Hindus. The problem touches every single human heart, including yours and mine, and that problem is sin. And there's only one solution. Who am I? Where am I? What is the problem with this world? What is the solution? Well, if you are a Hindu, we learned last week that you need to generate some good karma. If you're a Muslim, it is to, to submit to the will of Allah and, 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 and to, 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 to make the right profession and to pray enough and to, to, to give enough and to, um, and, 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 and to um, get to Mecca if you can. That is the solution. And if you do enough good deeds, the concept in Islam we learned is of the scales. And our deeds will be weighed, and if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, then it's okay. Generate good karma by doing good things. John F. Kennedy said that all, all problems in this world are created by man, and therefore they can be solved by man. Really? Buddy, man's been trying for about 4,000 years. <laughs> and in case you haven't noticed, it ain't going too well. Because we try this, oh, no, 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 no. If we'll just educate everyone, educate everyone, then things will get better. Friends, that was part of the Zimbabwean solution, by the way. Robert Mugabe was a teacher at one point, and in the 1980s and 1990s, Zimbabwe had a pristine education system. But someone said this to me, and I loved it. He said, listen, if you take a devil and you educate him, then you get a clever devil. <laughs> and this is where the fundamental difference with the Christian story lies. I love 
There's a website called the Gospel Coalition. They did a video series called One Minute Apologetics. And a guy called David Platt, he says how he was in a certain country outside a temple and he overheard two guys talking and they were talking about how actually all religions are, are, are just different ways of achieving the same end and getting to the same God. And, and, um, uh, he was listening to the story and um, he, he he decided to join the conversation and he said, okay, great, I, I understand what you guys are saying. What you're saying is that is that um, it's, it's, it's like God or whatever you call him, Allah or, or, or whoever, he's on top of this mountain and, and there's different ways up the mountain and so you might take this way and I might take that way, but at the end we're all going to get to God at the top of the mountain and 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 these two other guys, he said to him, yes, you've got it, you understand and, and this guy said to them, well, well, that's where Christianity is different. Imagine. Imagine if God didn't wait for us to come up the mountain, but he came down to be among us and to rescue us. What would you think about that? They said that, that would be awesome. I said, well, that's the story of Christianity. We're all like sheep who've gone astray, but there's a shepherd who searched until he found us and he brought us back home. We were a coin that was lost. Do you know what? Last, uh, just yesterday, we were looking for a phone in our house. There was one phone we couldn't find. And you, you did what you do when you lose a phone, don't you? Is you dial the number of that phone and you wait for that phone to respond because outside of that, there, there's no chance of that phone coming to life and growing legs and coming and saying, here I am. Because it is an inanimate object. And you and I, we're, we're, we're coins. We can't rescue ourselves. We can't bring ourselves back to God. We needed someone to come and rescue us, and his name is Jesus. And he has done that. So we could live out who we were made to be, image bearers of God. and Sons and daughters of a heavenly father. Love us to stand together. Band, you can come on up and I'd love us to just take a, a few more moments just to allow God to carry on speaking to us. I've tried to present the Christian story to you as best I can. I've tried to uh, show you how that story of creation separation from God and of God's plan to bring us back to himself that's called redemption try to show you how that unlike any other view of the world best answers the deep questions of life who am I let's ask God to remind us this morning where am I it's not random. We're in a universe created by God with a purpose. What is the problem? Well, the answer to this question humbles every human being on the face of the planet, regardless of race, religion, background. The problem is me, the problem is you, because the problem is sin. That means there can only be one solution. And that's a God who would come down the mountain. His name is Jesus. And he would become the sin bearer. He's the one who would take bad karma upon him. He's the one who would fulfill the rules on our behalf. So we can be brought back into this rich relationship with our Heavenly Father. Friends, if you can find a way of seeing the world, that is more logical, that is more consistent, that better accounts for reality, that has a better practical outworking, and that is more beautiful. 
please come share with me because I ain't heard it yet. And maybe you've heard all of this and you, you think, thank you, I've got it, that's what Christianity is about. But I'm, I'm still not convinced that's okay and as Christians we will, we will fight for your right to make your own decisions. But I hope that you'll at least have heard enough this morning to want to explore a little bit further, hear a little bit more, keep on logging in online. Lean into this faith community of relationships. But whoever you are, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, I have a sense that God wants to remind us this morning who we are. So the band's going to lead us in a worship song. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes to remind us who we are. That's one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit. One of the ways he does that is through prophecy. He lays things on our hearts. He wants us to share with others. Maybe he'll give you a prophetic word. You'll sense God speaking a picture or a scripture. And he might tell you, hey, this is for that specific person. I want to encourage you. Go over to them, socially distance, share it with them and pray your best prayer for them. Some of you may feel, oh, I actually feel like God wants the whole church to hear this, the whole faith, the gathering of, the, of, of God's people. If that's the case, Kogi's over here. Get over to him and he can help us figure out how best to share that so it's a blessing to the body and builds up his people. So friends, God is speaking. He's speaking to you. Let him remind you who you are. Open your heart. Don't, don't rush out of this. We need to engage right now with the ruthless elimination of hurry. Why? Because when we're hurrying, we make it a bit harder for us to hear God's whisper, God's reminder of who we are and what we're doing here. Let's worship together.